Hi, I'm Tyra G., your host of Frankly Speaking with Tyra G. Welcome again to our virtual global gathering of phenomenal listeners. Yeah, you, fascinating, fearsome, and generous, humble and honest in pursuit of new possibilities and purpose. Every week, we meet right here at the table for an hour to experience, educate, encourage, and empower each other through our joys and our lessons learned. We share topics that tradition tells us there are some things that you just don't talk about, but not at this table. If judgment knocks, it cannot get in. Here we live beyond the wreckage. We share moments and stories that have been left in our pockets for far too long. Every week, we start right where we are. Although many of your voices will speak light into the darkness, there is no insignificant person around this table. You come dressed in your authentic inner awesome, believing that impossible is merely a word. You're listening to Radio Fairfax, Fairfax, Virginia, on your TV, mobile device, or computer. We're webcast worldwide every Saturday night at 8 p.m. on www.radiofairfax.org, locally, nationally, and internationally. Should you miss us, no worry. You can catch Frankly Speaking with Tyra G wherever you get your podcasts. And if you feel like connecting with me offline, you know how to do that. It's Tyra at TyraGarlington.com. We want to thank you, Mr. Courtney Nero, for composing and performing our theme song and naming it, I'm Listening. question we've been dealing with this quarter is what happens when you reflect, when you restore, when you reposition. These three terms give us flexibility to dig deep into each concept individually or to explore all three as a part of a process or a journey. Today we're going to do both. I have two guests at the table who will share how they individually and together successfully understand that some things do not fit in a lab or a classroom or room in a home. They're going to talk to our hearts beyond where answers only move us one level down toward understanding. They're going to take us to a place where hope and faith are built into the GPS. To jumpstart our conversation and to create a common thought space for our time together, I want to quote a New York Times best-selling author, teacher, and inspirational speaker, and pastor, Mr. Rob Bell, in his 2016 book, How to Be Here. And I quote from the chapter, The You Experiment. 
question the blinking line in your mind or on your screen asks is why are you to do this and who are you to do this? Those two questions can keep you locked up for years, living in fear and doubt, looking over your fence or over your shoulder, comparing yourself with people around you. But the first word about you is gift. You are here and you're breathing and you get to take part in the ongoing and creation of the world. Creation is exhausting and exhilarating and draining and invigorating. And it's also a mystery because everybody sits down to a blank page or business plan or test or experiment or meeting or deal or child or job or life, especially those who have done it before. The more you do the work, the more you build muscles for that work. From shaping metal, to forming paragraphs, to arguing a case, to doing research, to making spreadsheets, to arranging parts for the violin to play, to organizing stuff or to raising a child. You can acquire skills and then improve on them as you do the work year after year. This growing technique and expertise can help you create and build and act with more ease and excellence, but it cannot help you avoid the blank page. This is true for rocket scientists and actors and doctors, and it's also true for parents and people who work in restaurants and for your insurance agent. Whoever you are, and whatever work you do, no one has ever lived your life with your particular challenge and possibilities. No one has ever raised that child before. Even if you've raised two already, no one has ever worked in that particular office before with its particular mix of personalities and challenges. No one has ever taken care of a patient at this moment with these particular challenges. You have never been attempted before. It can be intimidating when you look around and see superstars in whatever field you're in doing their thing. You see the tremendous momentum the game for success after success, and it can easily plant the question in your heart, why should I even try? Or you could see it another way. It can be intimidating or it can be liberating because if everybody starts with a blank page, then everybody starts in the same place. There's a great mystery of creation. Something comes out of nothing. Whatever it is, a school, a business, a treatment program, a sculpture, a network, a family, a relationship, a strategy. It didn't exist. And then it did because you brought it into existence. When you say yes to your life and to your path, your work in the world, you're entering into this mystery of creation, a mystery in which everybody starts with the blank page and everybody includes you. Sam, let's take a pause. You've been given this gift of life. You were not given his gift or her gift. You were given your gift. 
if there's any way that you've been looking over your shoulder or over the fence, comparing your life with someone else, is there any way in which you had someone else's life? Is there any way in which you were not throwing yourself into your life because you're not convinced that you could never do it as well as so-and-so does it? Well, the question, the new question, the better question is not who am I to do this, but who am I not to do this? I tell you about these guests. Get ready, get ready, get ready. They're phenomenal. They are going to introduce each other as opposed to their selves. And they're special because you're going to see by the end of this program that they have each asked, who am I not to do this? Welcome, Mish Peters and to Johnny Musa, to Frankly Speaking, with Tyra G. Okay, you're on. Who's going first with the intro? The teacher. The teacher. teacher. That would be you, me. I just got thrown under the bus, literally. (laughs) But that's okay. You've been here enough times to know that's where you go. (laughs) You know what? And there's a moment like today where it's a teacher's dream and the proudest moment that you have that I think every teacher wishes they could be in my seat right now. So I met Tinjani when he was 13 years old. He is no longer 13 years old. He is a grown man. And there are not many times where a middle school teacher gets the privilege of not only seeing this young man grow up, but then have a little bit of a break for him to thrive. Yes. And then to see him again out of the blue and then decide that we were going to help each other to do something great. And so this is Tinjani Musa. I met him when he was 13 years old. He was a new American, came here from Sierra Leone, spoke very little English, but boy, did he pick up English fast. Smart as a whip. Oh, smart, smart, smart. Oh, they're going to hear that. (laughs) Yeah, he is smart. (laughs) So eloquent, such a gentleman, a hard worker, integrity, uh, just what you really wish all of your students to be. And met him, followed him through. We did a lot of community service together in middle school very invested in his community, followed him through high school and all the great things that he was doing, getting involved with George Mason's programs and things like that in Fairfax, Virginia. And he graduated, got a job, and I met him at a Rotary meeting spontaneously. No way. He literally was like walking by, and I was like, I know that kid. Of course, he's not a kid anymore. But I was like, I know you. And he was like, hello, Miss Peters. <laughs> well, you know, for our, for our international go- guests, excuse me, for our international audience, those that may not know what Rotary is, mm-hmm. since it is an international organization, can you in one or two sentences share what that is and why you would be meeting? Oh, well, it's just how do you explain Rotary in one or two sentences other than the fact that it is an exemplary community service organization that is really designated to allow community members to get out there and get their hands dirty to doing great things in the world. Absolutely. Ordinary people doing extraordinary things. Absolutely. And we meet, well, most of us once a week. Yep. Uh, and and share. Yeah. Okay, so now the student meets, meets the teacher mm-hmm. at a Rotary meeting? At a Rotary meeting because he was a guest speaker that day. 
talking about his organization that he is now a grown man working with. So imagine like the fast forward you have thinking it's only been a couple years. Yes. It's been a couple more than a couple years. So, uh, so yeah, so we kind of started and bonded together with some things that we had in common and decided to maybe possibly work together. So we'll get into that, I'm sure, a little later. Yes, we will, Tijani. Yes. Uh, I'm sitting here grinning because one thing that Misha and I share, one of the things we share is we both uh, were passionate, are passionate about teaching. Right. And we understand that teachers are the most powerful people in the world. Absolutely. Because they can encourage a president, a doctor, an astronaut, a mother to do wonderful things. Right. So welcome. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Um, it is an honor. Uh, I want to first uh, appreciate the fact that you allowed me to be here in the studio uh, with my teacher to uh, uh, share some of my experience. So thank you, Tyra, for, for the opportunity. You're quite welcome. Yeah. And um, I, I have the pleasure of introducing my teacher, uh, who I met back in uh, uh, middle school when I first came to the United States. I was still learning my, my language, you know, it, well, learning the, the, the English language, the American English language. <laughs> <laughs> and it was a tough time adjusting to the culture here. And then um, I was fortunate to meet uh, my teacher there who was highly involved in community service. And um, that was my passion as well, uh, giving back to the community. I remember uh, she was uh, working on a project, uh, sending uh, stuff back to Sudan. Uh -huh. And she had asked for donation. And I told her that I didn't have money to make the donation, but to give me a day to go back home and pick up one of my jeans that I brought to school the next day, it was the, it was the only jeans that I had at that time. <laughs> so I came to school, and then I was, make, I was able to make that donation to her to send it to somebody else that needed it the most at the time. Now, I don't know how many of you are listening with your heart, which is always the goal of my show, but... Uh, you heard someone say, can I bring my gift tomorrow? And his gift was the one thing that he had. Right. And um, that's significant as the story unfolds. Absolutely. But um, I talked to both of them before the show, and I decided to do this. Each one of them is going to tell you what they're doing independently, but they're going to bring it together. Right. And so... I want to ask, Misha's just come back from a fabulous adventure, <laughs> and I, I should just tell you, listen to the other two times she's been here, and you would have gotten a historical perspective. But Misha, um, take the audience and me with you to Swaziland this time. Mm -hmm. Tell us what it felt like, what you saw, why you went, and what happened. All right, so I went to Swaziland this time in December, which I've never been to Swaziland in December. It's Where is Swaziland? So it is in southern Africa. It borders Mozambique in okay. South Africa. Okay. And I've never been there in December, which is their summer. So it was a lot hotter than I am used to because I'm usually there June, July, August, which is their winter. It was so green. I couldn't. I'm sure the people I was traveling with were so sick of me going, I don't even know where I am because it's so green. I was disoriented completely. Uh-huh. Um, and it was very hot, but I had the, um, the extraordinary, um, gift that was given to me 
through some of the people that I work with in Swaziland right now and um, at the school where we work with um, children with disabilities. And we've been volunteering there for several years as a rotary project. And this past year, a local chief in the area uh, came to us and said, we would like you to build a school for children with autism in my area. And for years, I'd been contemplating possibly, you know, moving there, cashing my life in, doing this, you know, thing. <laughs> but kind of got setbacks. It's a different culture there, so there are lots of things to consider. And he came to us and wanted to offer us land mm -hmm. to do so. Mm -hmm. And so with our local partners, we created our own board of directors and our own uh, um, NGO right where we were there and went in December and exchanged a cow for about five and a half acres of land. Uh, let's repeat that. Mm -hmm. One cow Yep, for five and a half acres of land. Mm -hmm. So it. we have like a 99-year for free proprietorship lease. And so we are now breaking ground to actually build a school, and it will be the first school for children with autism in the entire kingdom. Wow. Oh, Mitch, wow. first of all, congratulations. Thank you. Yes. It's not a surprise to me because I know your spirit. Well, but uh, I want to I want to say right here now, go on record. We're going to make this story real as an update. OK, you'll I'll come back. And yeah, we're going to write this book. Yeah, you're going to have two schools to update, I'm sure. That's right. OK, that's, that's to come, I'm sure. OK, but yeah, no. So I went there, exchanged the cow, did the ceremony, uh, got to know the chief, you know, the chief's brother pretty well. You know, a couple little dramatic things, but yeah, we have broken ground. We are, I'm learning, I'm kind of building the plane as we're, right. you know, flying it, but it's very exciting. And we are going back in June to work at St. Joseph's, which is a school that we've been partnering with for several years because they are still our project as well. Mm -hmm. And I'm excited because, you know, how about going full forward, but Tintani's wife, Yasmin, will be coming with us as a visual impairment teacher. That's right. And Check this out. All right. <laughs> now. I want to put a comma there because mm -hmm. the other, the past, well, actually, yeah, the past three times you've been on, because you mm -hmm. were on with someone, um, we talked about the school that you've been working in for years. Mm -hmm. And give our uh, listeners that may have missed that just mm -hmm. a chapter of what the kids are like. Oh, what, they what are my every joy, my every everything, the amount of love and peace and just I there's no words that can describe my feelings for this place the children there um it's the only inclusive school for children with disabilities in the kingdom mm -hmm. and you will see visually impaired children cognitively you know impaired children the local community children all playing together there is no fighting there is no arguing there is nothing but sharing Kids being kids, smiling, hugs, nothing but love, and it's just a place that is just magic. You uh, actually had shown me some video last time you were here, mm -hmm. and they were celebrating the classroom, and I can't remember, it was at the end of an activity or the beginning of an and they were just jumping up and down, and mm -hmm. they were so happy. And then you showed me a race mm -hmm. that was, uh, now wait a minute, wheelchair? Wheelchair and visually impaired kids. Yes, yep. yes. Now, we have to get our minds around that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Visually impaired pushing right. wheelchairs. Correct. Mm -hmm. So you know who was guiding, right? Mm -hmm. The people in the wheelchairs. You right. have the gas and then you have the driver. Oh, my gosh. Right? Yes. Well, magic. Like I'm saying magic. Right. 
Oh. Right. How, now, talk about how many children are there in that school? There's about 200, between 200 and 250. And how do they get? I know that uh, there are local resources that are there for you. Mm-hmm. You've had some people from Rotary go there. Absolutely. Um, how, do, how do they get, like, uniforms, books, that kind of thing? What, what happens with that? Well, they have a lot of donations. They work with a lot of, um, especially European um, corporations that kind of help out. Okay. Uh, the cool thing, a lot of countries in Africa have required, um, I don't know what they call it, uh, mandates for companies to give a certain amount of money every year for like a tax write-off. Okay. So a lot of companies will fund things. But when you're up there, a lot of times you'll see kids that don't have the uniforms, don't have shoes. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of them are orphaned because about one in three families in Swaziland are child-led, meaning there's no adult in the home. So, uh, okay, how old are the children that are taking care of the children? Oh, some of them are eight, mm-hmm. nine, oh ten. Oh, my. Oh, yeah. And when you go there, what? well, we're with you now. What language would I hear? English. Okay. English is one of their official languages. Okay. For being a small country that's like maybe the size of New Jersey, I believe they have 13 different dialects. Okay. Wow. Mm-hmm. But it's a, the, the traditional language is more of like a Zulu Okay. type of language so i have like the cool clicks and things that <laughs> it's hard for my tongue to do it but i've managed it's only taken me 14 years to say certain but words. you That's did it of, yes i yeah well y- you have to when you get it's to me it's a really important when you go to another place to truly experience it you have to be able to at least attempt a language and mm-hmm. to meet them in the you're I in agree. their home i agree and so it's hard they laugh at me a little bit but then I think they laugh harder when I actually started getting it right. That's right. <laughs> and then the other piece of it is that laughter is not at you. It's right. the joy of your being there. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Right. You know, and that's when you start earning your name. Like, so I have a Swazi name. And so. What's your Swazi name? Well, I have two now. They came to expanding. <laughs> so um, my first name was Lindelwa. Lindela. Lindelwa. Lindelwa. Lindelwa, which oh. means the one we've been praying for. Oh, wow. Oh, I know. Wow. Yes, Tandy, my my best friend over there, she's like my sister from wow. another mother. She gave me that name. Wow. And, uh, yeah, and then this last year, because I paid the light bill for the school, they called me Kanye Seeley, <laughs> Kanye Seeley, which means the one who brings the light. Oh, wow. Wow. So I am the one we've been praying for who and brings the, w- the light. The one we've been praying for who brings the light. Yes, well, it's thank kind of cool, you for right? gracing the studio with ah. your bad self. I'm doing my princess. I'm doing my princess wave right oh, now. Oh, the princess <laughs> wave. You all need to just think uh, Queen Elizabeth. That's right. 50 years younger. Thank you. Thank you for that. That's, That's very right. generous. So she's a queen, not a princess. Since I'm sitting next to my middle school student, not a grown man. <laughs> well, one thing before, before we leave this school, which is already built, mm-hmm. uh, take us into a classroom. What will we see? You will see a lot of children uh, with a lot of different things going on Um, no one there is really diagnosed by a doctor like you would see here there's really not doctors social workers psychologists psychiatrists Uh who are diagnosing kids so it's a little bit of a grab bag um, of what's going on there Um, one of the things that I tried to do the first couple years I was there was try to use some cognitive and educational testing to place the kids in the right classrooms so I found um, there were a lot of kids who just seemed to have behaviors because either they were bored mm-hmm. or they were overwhelmed. Okay. And so that's the first plan of attack I did in the first few years. I was there with developing curriculum 
and then separating classes based on ability and skills as compared to just where there was an empty seat. So when you do that, mm -hmm. and I understand curriculum building, how do you hand that off for when you leave? I think the key for me um, has really been to meet the community where they are and to manage it in a way that they're asking me for the help that they want as compared to me going into the community and saying, let me show you, especially as this American teacher. Yes. Sometimes you go in with good intentions, but poor execution, which is something I found a few years later. I found closets and rooms locked up and filled with wonderful donations that I would have liked to have in my classroom. Mm -hmm. And they were just sitting there because the teachers there didn't know how to use them. That's what I was going to ask you. Yes. And, and that's, to me, one of the greatest things I discovered in our past conversations mm -hmm. was not only you created the plan, you transferred the skill set. Mm -hmm. Because we make... In my opinion, most Americans don't have cultural competence about countries with whom we're trying to deal, particularly if they're not uh, like the United States or like Europe, uh, underdeveloped countries. Mm -hmm. So, all right, so now we've got a community of children, mm -hmm. and once you were able, and we need to tell people that you have a skill set in making those diagnoses. You're mm -hmm. not just walking and saying, hey, you in the blue, I've been watching you. You've got this issue. That is correct. You have a history. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so I, I do have a certificate. I am a, I have a master's degree in special education. Okay. And so I've been working with special needs kids for, you know, up on 20 years now. Yes. You know, I started when I was like eight. Wow. Yeah. Got mm -hmm. it. Amazing, right? Amazing. And uh, <laughs> yeah, so I've been kind of doing that. And so, and it's a passion. I also, you know, have some family members that are disabled. So I have like that kind of family piece. But I think to me, and which is what I liked about working with Rotary, is having that Rotary connection with the fact that you're going into the communities, you're asking them for what they need. So it's a real good exchange. Mm -hmm. It's not one-sided. And then having those partnerships with the Rotary clubs there, you have that sustainability. And that's the key tenet to, to Rotary, is making sure that projects are sustainable, not just a one and done. Right, right, right. right. And what we know is in order to have an international situation like this, we must have a Rotary uh, local right. uh, club there to co-sponsor whatever the activity is, and that's one of the critical success factors to the oh, sustainability. Absolutely. We could not do what we do in Swaziland without the Manzini Rotary Club. Period. That is just marvelous. Mar or the Bailey's Crossroads or the McLean Radio Club. I mean, yeah. they're a big piece of that, too. I mean, this is not the Mish Project. This is, you know, this is Rotary in general. This is Tyra's Rotary Club. This is everybody's Rotary Project. And the thing that I love and am learning, I um, just had 10 years in Rotary now, but loving the idea that it's collaborative. Mm -hmm. For instance, uh, my club's a part of 13 other clubs, clubs doing projects in Haiti. Mm -hmm. Right, and that's kind of the way we we move uh, service above self across the world. Mm -hmm. I'm going to put a comma mm -hmm. in our conversation to Johnny. Yes, ma'am. I want now. We mentioned uh -huh. that you were from Sierra Leone. Correct. Okay, where is that? Well, I'm from Sierra Leone, West Africa, and Sierra Leone is located on the west coast of Africa, sitting. Well, not sitting on, but it's by the Atlantic Ocean. Okay, okay. <laughs> so uh, to get to Sierra Leone from the United States, you don't have a direct flight yet. Um, it, it takes you about an entire day, 20, 
to 22 hours to get there. Um, no, most of the time, people will travel from the United States to uh, Brussels or Belgium mm -hmm. or to France, and then from France or Belgium, they go straight to Sierra Leone. But there isn't a direct flight to Sierra Leone right now. And when you get to Sierra Leone, you go into the international the airport. It's called the Lunga International Airport. And when you get off that airport, the first thing you experience is the heat. <laughs> I believe that. I've been to Africa, and I was just like, uh, I don't know if I can do this. It was a sauna. That's yeah. right. Yeah. yeah, that's the first thing you experience. Even uh, the last time I was in Sierra Leone was 2018. Uh, before that, I hadn't been there for like 14 years. Oh. Uh, so it was different. I was like, whoa, I need to get back on the plane and, and then go home and come back. <laughs> so after 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 you 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 get over the the heat um and and then you exit the gates of the of the airport you just see uh kids some of them like Mish was mentioning they have shoes and some of them most of them are on barefoot mm -hmm. uh selling things on the streets like petty traders uh most of them selling waters and this kids ranges from anywhere from 8 years old to 12 13 years old and most of them are like the head of their household. As well. Yep. Instead of going to school, most of them are on the street selling things. And then once you um, pass that, you get on the ferry. And then the ferry takes you from the Lunga International Airport um, to across the water to uh, the city, uh, Freetown. And, uh -huh. and once you are in the capital city, you pretty much experience the same thing. You see uh, younger kids on the street selling uh, things instead of being in school and then from there you just experience the culture um, you can see kids on the other side playing soccer be a foot or some of them have sandals on or mm -hmm. shoes it it is very unlikely that you would see kids playing soccer with uh, cleats uh, like we do here in the yes. United States or, uh -huh. or shoes like we do here in the United States but none of that stuff bothers them they are still as happy as any other kids you could find and now my question is um, twofold. One, I should have asked you as well, Mish, do they have to pay to go to school? Um, yes. Yes, there is school fees okay. that you have to pay. And um, in Sierra Leone, you would think that after paying that school fees, you wouldn't have to hear back from the teachers. But because the teachers are not getting paid or compensated well, you ended up having to also suffer uh unexpected costs that teachers would ask for from parents and kids like the power bill at school okay okay yeah. so the other thing is and this is always because every time i've gone uh to that continent ah, mm. uh, I, I i get really into the history but the other piece of it is if you immerse yourself right and I often wonder, as I looked at the children, because I like to just hug them, because they're just so happy and grinning mm -hmm. and want right. to be touched. That's right. Uh, where do they get the water to sell? Who's giving that? To, do they have an underground <laughs> economy or something? Where do they get the things that they sell to tourists? To, how does that work? That's a good question. Uh, in Sierra Leone, they have really, really natural uh, springs all over the country. Okay. And so um, pretty much uh, last time I was in Sierra Leone, the most – Businesses that I see in there is people cre creating and opening water business or water companies. And so these young people will go into uh, somebody's stores and tell them, hey, I'm going to uh, take maybe a dozen or two dozens of this waters and they put it in coolers. 
and they come onto the streets as cars are passing by. They'll try to sell it to uh, people or foreigners or uh, tourists that are coming to the country. So, do they make money for themselves or from the for, or do they make money for the people that allow them to sell the water? Usually, 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 the water comes in packets. Yes. Like, let's say it's a dozen in a packet. Uh, so, if if the water costs two dollars normally that you would buy it, uh-huh. what the people would end up doing is they will sell it to the kids for a dollar fifty. Ah. And then the kids will go and sell them individually, and then sometimes they could make uh, either two dollars or two fifty. So the the fifty cents or the dollar is their profit. Wow. Okay. So you know entrepreneurs. Yeah. This that, ki- yeah. That much. I mean, that, this is a continent of yeah. entrepreneurial. It's knowledge. survival. This Entrepreneurship is, is is mm-hmm. survival there. Yeah. Well, let me ask the other question. We've been talking about education. What about health care for the kids? I didn't I didn't talk much about that with you either, Mish. In Sierra Leone, well, Sierra Leone suffered um, uh, drastically with the Ebola that happened yes, in yes. 2014. Uh, they had uh, many, many people that were killed during the, the Ebola crisis that happened in 2014. Um, the health care in Sierra Leone is not the best. And so when the coronavirus was happening uh, this month and the past uh, couple of months, yes. all I've been doing is praying for the people of Sierra Leone because if China can suffer so many losses, and the United States are also threatened. Yes. I could only imagine what could happen if that. Because healthcare delivery there. That's right. Treatment at point That's of right. crisis yes, is ma'am. very difficult That's because right. of training. And some people, I experience this, don't want to treat, don't want to be a part of that. That's right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Okay. There, there definitely is a fear of medicine. Yes. Modern medicine. Modern. And that, yes. But, you know, the access to even things like simple medicines is hard That's to right. find there. Yeah. So, you know, yeah, we had talked about, yeah. yeah, we talked about that before um, because I know children are our future. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And if we're just wiping things, wiping populations out and children are very vulnerable. They were with Ebola and they they are with uh, coronavirus. That's right. OK, so here you come, someone who's come from Sierra Leone, which yes, return, who returns to Sierra Leone with a dream. Oh, yes. Um Ever since I was a, a kid who came to the United States, my dream was always if I was given the opportunity to go to school or even any opportunity that I was given, I was going to look back and just offer the same, if not the same opportunity to another person behind me. And so that's what I've been doing uh, when I met my teacher, who I actually did not introduce her name <laughs> to your to your listener. Uh, my teacher is Mish Peters. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's okay. We figured that one I, that, out. That's yeah. right. <laughs> and ever since I met her in middle school, um, I've always been involved in serving my community. And um, down the road, I was able to reunite with her with the Rotary, which the the mantra for the Rotary is service above self. So. Absolutely. And I did a series, uh, Sowing Seeds of Service Above Self, where right. we featured a lot of Rotary projects. Yes. Now, Okay, that's your goal, but let's talk about your process. How are you making this happen? Well, <laughs> I can, obviously I can't do it by myself. Uh, when I came to the United States, um, I, I came to the w- – being born in Sierra Leone, there was a, a horrific uh, civil war that happened yes. in, in the 90s, um, early 90s, uh, towards the early 2000s. And I was fortunate enough, my older brother was here in the United States uh, who filed for us as refugees to come to the United States. And when we came to the United States, we, we have been in Falls Church, Virginia this entire time. 
And so I graduated here from middle school. I went to high school here, and uh, I was fortunate enough to uh, also receive a $1,000 scholarship from the Rotary Club in high school. <laughs> and I was able to use that. That was the first $1,000 under my name. Uh-huh. Uh, before that, I've never had that much money under my name. So I was, I was like, what could I do with this $1,000? There were so many things that was going on in my mind, and I was like, okay, the best investment that I can do with this $1,000 is to purchase a laptop for my college experience. And so I went ahead and bought a laptop for my schooling. And when I went to George Mason University, I was like, what am I going to study that's going to be impactful in this world? And then I ended up studying global affairs because I wanted to do international development work. And so my bachelor's degree is on global affairs, uh, concentration in international development. What does that mean for your international view, <laughs> listeners? Yeah. <laughs> Pretty much, I want to make an impact in, the, in a global sense. And I want to be able to go into a system anywhere in the world and just being able to learn what the locals are doing and contribute my uh, experience by learning from them. And let me tell you, Tyra, he will be making an impact. <laughs> well, there's, there's no doubt. There's nothing this young man cannot do. There, there's no doubt in my mind. I, I'm thinking uh, one of the things we hope, because what did I just talk about? Creating? Right. Why right. not you? Yeah. Um, the whole transfer, not just of what you know, but of your heart and your spirit and your attitude. Because I'm believing attitude is 90% of anything positive, right? So, all right. So now you know what you want to do and you want to start with your homeland. That's right. And you want to help children. Mm -hmm. And what has happened so far in that effort? So so I want to help kids. When I came to the U.S., I was about 12, 13 years old. And so... When I went back in 2018, I was looking at what, what was happening and seeing all these young kids on the streets selling things when they were supposed to be in school. And okay. so I would ask them, hey, why aren't you in school? It's like time for schooling. And they said, oh, I'm selling this water so that I can help my mom pays for my sister's schooling. I hear you. Instead of them being in school, because, for example, if say my mom has four kids, right? Yes. And my mom couldn't afford to send all four of us to school. Yes. And so my mom would be like, okay, Tijani is the smartest of them all. Mm-hmm. Let's put them to school. And the three of you go ahead and uh, help pay Work for to t- support him. That's right. And so that really hurt me. Um, when I left Sierra Leone, 12 years old, 13 years old, I thought that after 13, 14 years, uh, when I went back, things would have changed at least a little bit. But I felt like everything was stagnant mm-hmm. and the people were getting older, mm-hmm. but the system was still the same. And so I thought about creating a school uh, to provide a school in these communities. Uh, eventually, uh, m- me and Misha are going to work together where we would have a system in place where these kids could go into school and not having to worry about uh, getting sent home because their parents could not afford to pay for their schooling. And that's, that's the perfect segue. Uh, teacher reunites with student mm-hmm. understanding that they have parallel goals absolutely, and that they, they have these goals in a country that needs desperately what they want to give. Mm-hmm. And so they bump into each other. Now you all can discuss with one another, with the audience, what happened? 
you said, oh, there goes. And you said, hi, how are you? And mm -hmm. then and you said, oh, I'm building schools in Africa. Oh, really? <laughs> I want to build a school, too. Mm -hmm. What happened next? It was almost like that, right? We're at yes. the meeting and, <laughs> no, like, you know, That's you have right. that moment, you know, it's kind of like that fun teacher reunited, like, oh, this is so fun. And then I think it was when I came back this summer from my last trip, you were at the meeting. Yes. And I just happened to be there to present on what I'd done over the summer. Yes. And Johnny and I were just like, you know, we should just go out for coffee one day and kind of talk because I've been thinking about doing a school in Sierra Leone. And I, of course, you know me, I'm like, I'll go anywhere to go teach. <laughs> I love teaching. I mean, yes. there's nothing that makes a teacher happier than be able to go teach. And so, uh, you know, we're on the same continent. That's half the battles getting there. Yes. And um, we just really kind of started meeting for coffee and talking about it and kind of, you know, praying on it and sitting on it and figuring it out. And we literally have a plan where the M&M, we're going to call ourselves the M&M Project. That's right. You know, Musa. Musa and Mish. Yep. That's right. And works we, for me. And, you know, to me, like, what a great story this is to not only inspire children that here we have a teacher-student relationship that right. is bonded and or bloomed into something. But to me, it's an even cooler story for adults to say, you know, look at the impact, the possible impact that you might have on somebody that you never even, you don't even know sometimes how you impact a child. Right. Right. And to me, that's, that's the magic, you know, and I'll cry and like, you know, whatever. Because you never know when you might say or do something to provide that nurturing for a child and I know I'm not, a, you know, it wasn't Miss Peters who did it all. Tanjani was a great young man to start with. He has, you know, a wonderful family and other teachers and other really great supporters but what out there. We all, what we all three agree on right. is that there is a God. Yes. And Absolutely. that he has a strategy. Absolutely. And, and he, I, had, he, had a, he had a point to see. Angels came down from wherever right. and said, this is your time. Mish and Musa. We're going to get together and we're going to create something great. And so That's we sat right. down at Starbucks with his wife. We yep. have a plan. Yeah. We want to start a 501c3 <laughs> together so we can really, we figured, we figured it was better for us to join our forces together. Right. right. So my experience as a teacher, his experience as, you know, a local person in his area and from a student perspective. Yes. Of what needs to happen. Yes. In those areas. And so we have that, that communication and that partnership with his family and, you know, future Rotary Clubs in Sierra Leone. I have my partners in Swaziland. And like I said, getting to that continent is half the battle. Once you're there, it's easy access to get to and from. And so you can kind of to, to kill two birds with one stone. Right. 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 And do the very best. And so we thought, we have a great story. Why not share this with the world? That's right. And I make something ha magical happen. Well, okay. Um the two of you mm -hmm. together, one minute each, or maybe you can do it together. It's five years from now, 2025. Mm -hmm. Where's your dream? We have a can fully functioned school that okay. goes from preschool to high school. Okay. That is servicing any child in a community that wants to come to school. Mm. And money is not the problem. Access is not the problem disability or ability is not the problem it's just getting there and if they want to come they will be accepted and I'll ju I'm just picturing the kids jumping <laughs> up and down and just smiling yeah and be like wow and I'm sitting here thinking build it <laughs> and they will come That's absolutely. Right. <laughs> yeah absolutely I am <laughs> and of course my my visual has music mm-hmm 
all kinds of happy music, drums and bells and laughter and, yeah. Mm-hmm. This is totally awesome. And I'll, isn't laughter the best music? I think so. That's right. I think so. That's right. It's international. Mm-hmm. It is. Everybody speaks it. Yep, that's true. <laughs> and what I want, because uh, Tajani told me, you know, how I usually give instructions and ask each of my guests to write a letter yes, to their younger self. But I gave them some latitude. I said, well, write a letter. Uh, it can be to the people that you're helping in the other country. It can be to your younger self. Tajani told me, well, I wrote a letter about the open no you tell me what's your letter yeah so yeah my letter is uh the day of the opening what i said to the people that made it possible Uh, okay i'm ready (laughs) go go all right congratulations students and community members i'm incredibly proud of you each and every one of you it has been a remarkable journey from where we began to where we are today we have created a space of knowledge for people especially young people to be curious and to think freely a space where making mistakes is acceptable and those mistakes will lead us to finding answers to questions that would benefit our community as we prepare to open the doors of the school i once again would like to thank you and everyone involved in making this dream a reality i especially want to thank my middle school teacher mish peters for all of her support in this journey for those of you who do not know, Mish is not only a partner in this endeavor, but she was also instrumental in motivating me to keep the fight going. Alongside Mish are people, the good people of the United States of America who have contributed their money, prayers, and efforts to get us this far. To my wife, thank you for your support and motivation. My fellow citizens of the world, I want you to know today that this building right here is going to change the lives of each student, parent, teachers, community members, and generation after. We must remember as a community how we got here. We got this far because we worked together and we trusted the process and one another. We were not afraid to fail and we were not, and we did not listen to the voices in our head that told us we couldn't do it. Instead, we reminded ourselves steadfast to our mission and today we stay we, we say that we have accomplished not only our dreams, but the dreams of the next generation. Students, as you continue this journey, remember that you are not alone and will never be alone. There will come time, I know this to be true, when someone else is going to need you. You are going to open the door for someone else. And that is how this building, this school, this day, and this month will be remembered generations to come. The impact that each of you are going to make will start on the last day when you walk out of this building. I encourage each each of you to chase your dreams, chase that one thing or two things that you cannot get out of your head even if you try to. That is the thing, the idea, the dream that you're called upon to do. Never forget where you started and keep your head on strong for the journey ahead as you will face bumps along the way. And when you do, remember how you got here. We did it together, and you would always have this support system around you. I wish you great success ahead, and God bless you all. Okay, let me breathe. For those of you who may be crying, like me, from the voice of the future to the ears of the future, 
keep the fight going, fellow citizens of the world. This is for the generations after. Making mistakes is acceptable. Don't be afraid to fail. Trust one another. Remember for generations to come. Remember how you got here. Remember you are not alone. Now these are the things that touch my heart. For those of you listening, I'm sure you have your own. God bless you. Thank you for having us, Tyra G. <laughs> oh, it's not over yet, Mish. It's your turn. All right. So I'm not as eloquent as Tanjani with that great speech, but uh, I kind of wrote since I have one of my beneficiaries sitting next to me, and we have kind of a common ma message. So these are things that I want my kids to know. Okay. So what I want for you, I want you to be the best at whatever it is you want to be. If it's a lawyer, be the best lawyer. If it's a French fry maker, make the best fries. Pursue the things and people in life that make you happy, bring you joy, and rise you up. Share yourself with others. Your time, your talents, your treasures, treasures can change the world, but so can a smile, a kind word, or deed. I want you to have choice and, circum and circumstance does not dictate your life. That when you are forced to choose, that you can choose whatever means the most to you. I want you to have purpose, to know that there is a reason you are on this earth, so find it, pursue it, and don't give up on it. The universe does work, does not work on your timeline, it works on its own. I want you to be prepared for opportunities, so when they come knocking, you can answer the call, and if they don't come knocking, you have the ability to make one happen. I want you to not only know, but believe that I'm rooting for you, and I'm, I'm, I'm your cheerleader, now and always. I want you to remember that the best things in life are usually the things you had to the work the hardest for to achieve and sometimes you failed. But always remember if one door closes, keep going till you find a window. Sometimes that window provides a better option. Mm -hmm. It's only a, te a teachable moment, a chapter in your life, not your book of life when you fail. Every year, I play this song for my students called My Wish by Rascal Flatts because I love the lyrics. They say, I hope you always forgive and you never regret and you help somebody every chance you get. You find God's grace in every mistake and always give more than you take. My wish for you is that this life becomes all that you want it to. Your dreams stay big. Your worries stay small. You never need to carry more than you can hold. I hope you know somebody loves you and wants the same things too. That is what I wish for you as your teacher, your aunt, your godmother, your friend, your other mom, your cousin, your sister, your whatever. I'm here. Okay, so I had to stop writing. Wow. Be the best of whatever you want to be. Share yourself with others. Smile. Your circumstances don't control you. You have purpose. Be prepared for opportunities. Make your own. Know and believe 
that I am rooting for you. Find a window when there's not a door. Find a teachable moment. Find God's grace. Dream big. Mm -hmm. Wow. (laughs) Okay, I'm going to start to close this out. Oh, well. Since we've been focusing on reflecting and restoring and repositioning and dreaming, I thought the following would be an appropriate closing doggy bag thought to take with for those moments when we need a reminder of not only who we are, but whose we are. Right. We've been talking about change because guess what? Every moment is different. I turn again to author and coach Iana Vansan, and I quote, <clears throat> The greatest service I can offer is being gentle with myself as I change. Changing your life does not always mean that you stop doing certain things. It may mean you start doing certain things. It may mean moving your time and your energy and your focus from all the things you should not do and placing them on things you should be doing. Rather than bearing yourself up for what you're not doing, celebrate and appreciate the things that you are. When you shift your focus away from what you do not want, you can create a vision for what you do. Changing your life means learning a new way of being. Learning occurs in loving and supportive environments. When you are hostile yourself, frustrated, and angry with yourself, it will be difficult for you to learn. You will set expectations for yourself that you can't live up to. How can you be for yourself if you're against yourself? Learning occurs best with an attitude and environment of acceptance. When you judge mistakes that you make as bad, you will be resistant to learning a new lesson. If you were to completely be honest, if you admit to yourself that you don't want to be wrong, being wrong makes you feel less than yourself. What you really want to do is to nurture the attitude that you're open to learning more about yourself. This is the information that will inspire you to do something new. Rather than creating an internally hostile environment by focusing on what you must stop doing, focus on what you want to do. Choose a new course of action that will change the way you experience yourself. Until today, you may not have recognized the things you do to yourself that make it hard for you to do anything different. So, just for today, lighten up. Don't fight with yourself. Focus on what you do, what you can do, what you choose to do, what you're ready to do. 
I love it when we get together, courageous enough to look and walk beyond the words, giving each other permission to expose gifts of imperfection without judgment. Frankly speaking, is our time and space to help heal, educate, and encourage each other into the best version of ourselves, no matter where we are in our journey. You've been listening to Radio Fairfax, Fairfax, Virginia, on your TV, computer, or mobile device. And we're webcast worldwide on the Internet at www.radiofairfax.org. My guests today have been Mish Peters and Tajani Musa. Game changers, harvesters of dreams. Mish, mm-hmm. how can our audience get in touch with you to have, continue the conversation? Sure. You can reach out to the Bailey's Crossroads Rotary Club, or you can email me at mishep419 at gmail.com. Or you can get in touch with me, and I'll help you. <laughs> yes, Johnny. pretty much the same thing. Uh, get in touch with Tyra G., and uh, she can connect you with us, or you reach out to the Rotary, the, the Bailey's Crossroads Rotary Club. Uh, or you can send me an email at m.tijani.musa at gmail.com. Well, your seat at the table is guaranteed. I feel anticipatory about next time. I'm looking forward. Until then, remember, you are stronger than you feel, smarter than you know. You're more beautiful than you believe and more love than you could ever imagine. You are chosen. You're important. Treat yourself like someone you love. This is Tyra G. Loving you.